All right, welcome. Welcome to lesson number five of this Bible study series. We have come through Noah and the ark. We have come through Abraham. We've come past the time period, obviously, uh, the Tower of Babel. And we're, we've come into Abraham's time. And the theme, one of the themes that is prevalent in all of these stories is rooted in Genesis 3.15, that I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. So it's his heel. It's going to be a male child born of the woman. The woman is the covenant people. And so down through um, Seth following Abel's death by Cain, through Noah, through Shem, down through Abraham, the, the, the continued theme is that this child's going to be born. It is going to be born, and that child is the Messiah, the anointed one, or in Greek, the Christ. And so that's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about how the whole of the Old Testament is gearing us up for Jesus Christ. Galatians 3 says that the law is the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're coming in this lesson, we're coming to Jacob and Esau. Um, Isaac and Ishmael, that happens. And from Isaac's line comes Jacob and Esau. And we're going to touch on Isaac and Ishmael, but for the purpose of this study, we're going to move the focus from Abraham through Isaac into Jacob and Esau. So let's read. Let's read some scriptures here. Romans chapter 9. And I'm going to read starting at verse 3. Romans chapter 9 and verse 3. <clears throat> this is what Paul told the church at Rome. He said, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all God blessed forever, amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. So this is for my Jewish friends who are watching this. This is one of the reasons why Paul taught that the natural outgrowth of Christianity out of Judaism was the will of God and that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. And that's contained in here. Verse 7, Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. We'll touch on that again. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. 
And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, that's Rebekah, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. That's a lot of information. And it's a, it's a profound look at the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are all encapsulated here. So let me, let me start out by saying this. It says in verse 6, They are not all Israel which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Okay, so in the story of, of Abraham, God rejects Ishmael as the chosen seed. The lineage will not come through Ishmael, it will come through Isaac, and God plainly rejects Hagar and Ishmael. And he accepts Sarah and Isaac. One is born of the spirit, one is born of the flesh. Now both of them are born biologically, but the point to be made is one is God's purpose. One is not God's purpose. It was Abraham and Sarah's unbelief that allowed that to happen, causing some of the greatest disruption in history uh, from the two lines of both Ishmael and Isaac fighting for supremacy. And even to this day, the, the children of Ishmael and Isaac are still fighting over the Holy Land and claiming uh, jurisdiction there. So one is born of the flesh, one is of the spirit, and God chooses the one that's born of the spirit. He chooses the one that's in accordance to his word. And there is a principle set in motion there that we're going to explore today. We see it in Ishmael and Isaac, but we really see it in Jacob and Esau. So I'm going to talk about Jacob and Esau. And in particular, I'm going to talk about the elder shall serve the younger. The elder shall serve the younger. A powerful biblical principle that will, I know it will edify you. I know it will help you and probably even answer some questions that you've had about yourself. Hopefully by the time we're done here today, you'll know why sometimes you want to do bad. And sometimes you want to do good. It's almost like you got a split personality or there's two people on the inside of you. And what you're going to find out is there is. There is. In the child of God's life, there are two competing natures, two competing people uh, to carry the metaphor to its furthest conclusion. <clears throat> okay. So... Here we have the introduction of the idea that there are, there are children that are of the flesh and there are children of the promise. So obviously Ishmael is of the flesh, Isaac is of the promise, and further Esau is of the flesh and Jacob is of the promise. That's a very interesting thing because that carries the idea of Genesis 3.15 further. Um, he, said, he said to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, thy seed or thy children and her children. The children of the flesh will war against the children of the spirit. That doesn't, 
make a lot of sense to people that don't know the Bible. But if you know the Bible, the scripture is very, very plain that there are two kinds of children. And let's read about them. Go with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And this is the, the chapter that talks about, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and that Word was made flesh. That's Jesus. And I want to read verse 11, starting at verse 11. John chapter 1, verse 11. Speaking of Jesus, it says this, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, as opposed to sons of Satan. Those that are in the flesh, those that are of Adam, are sons of Satan. Those that are in the spirit, they're sons of God, that are born of the woman, the covenant people of God. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. They were born of God. So that's one of the first times we see this idea of a birth that is not the will of the flesh, it doesn't come by blood, it doesn't come by the will of a man, or a woman for that matter, but it comes from God. There is a birth that will come from God, and we see that birth very clearly outlined in John chapter 3. Jesus talks to Nicodemus, who is a ruler of the Jews, and he tells him in John chapter 3 verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God born again. What in the world does that mean? And there's a host of people in what is termed Christendom who will tell you that born again means just believe it in Jesus. They'll tell you that to be born again um, means to, to be good and do good things and go to church and to make a conscious effort to try to stay out of trouble or stay out of sin. And if that's what the Bible said, then that's what it means. But you're going to see that that's not what the Bible says. Being born again is a lot more than trying to do good. I'll even say this. You can't fully do good without being born again. So he tells us a little more. John chapter 3 verse 4. Nicodemus doesn't know what that means. And he says it. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? and be born. So Nicodemus is taking his natural knowledge, everybody knows what being born is, and he's trying to make sense out of what Jesus has said. Born again, does he enter his second, a second time into his mother's womb and is he born again in that sense? And Jesus is not speaking of flesh, he's speaking of spirit and spiritual reality. Jesus is describing the children of the flesh and the children of the spirit, children of promise the children of the serpent, the children of Adam, versus the children of God, the children of Jesus, then the covenant people of God, the woman. And he says, no, no, no. You're, you're thinking carnally, you're thinking fleshly. Verse five, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of people, again, dismiss that and we'll try to 
rationalize what that means and try to describe what that means. But in a, in a short summation, it means to be baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Some people say that means to be born physically and, and then to be born spiritually, but that would be redundant. To be born again doesn't mean he's not telling Nicodemus, you need to get born physically and to be born spiritually later. That's not what he's trying to say. He's saying that the born again experience is comprised of two elements, to be born of the water and born of the spirit. And that's, that's evidenced by the book of Acts where that water spirit paradigm uh, baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It happened in Acts 2, it happened in Acts 8, it happened in Acts 10, it happened in Acts 19, where every time they were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now that's another lesson for another day. What I'm trying to get across to you is that there will be a spiritual birth and the Bible describes it. Now you take that idea and you lay it over the idea of Jacob and Esau. You lay it over Isaac and Ishmael and some very interesting realities begin to emerge. That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, when Rebecca is pregnant, she has two twins. One is an older brother named Esau and one is a younger brother and his name is Jacob. we're going to try to describe what the Bible meant when it said that the elder shall serve the younger. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And, and the easiest way to do that is to talk about the two births in my life and the two births that are supposed to take place in your life. Because you have an Esau and you have a Jacob. You have twins. You have a carnal you, and you have a spiritual you. When you are born again, there are two versions of you. And we're gonna explore that idea. So I was born 43 years ago, as of the recording of this video. 1976, Nathaniel Paul and Kathy Urshan had a bouncing baby boy, and they named him Nathan. That's me. And I was born. I was born in my flesh. I came into the world. And the moment that happened, I joined the human race and I became a son of Adam, which we've already learned is the son of Satan. I know, I know it's strong language. I get it, but it's the truth. It's, it's, it's everybody that has entered the world through Adam's lineage. Then eight years later, I was at a youth camp and at that camp, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost and I spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God spoke through me. Shortly after that, I was taken to my father's church in Memphis, Tennessee and I was baptized in the name of Jesus. I was born of the water and I was born of the Spirit and that was the day of my spiritual birth. To be born again, that's the John 1 and John 3 birth. That's the day I was born of the woman. I was born of the covenant people of God. And I switched my birth from Adam to Jesus. I changed 
I, I, I drew my, my sustenance, I drew my identity from my second birth rather than my first birth. I died to my old man, all eight years old of him. <laughs> and I, I became a child of Jesus Christ. And no longer am I a part of Adam's lineage and Adam's inheritance, but now I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm born of the woman and I've given myself to God. And I'm born not of the will of a man, not by blood, not by flesh, but by the will of God, according to John chapter one. The first birth was my Esau. The second birth was my Jacob. One is older, one is younger. One rejects God, the other embraces God. I have two people that I have to contend with every day. It doesn't mean I have a split personality. It doesn't mean um, that I'm crazy or I have voices in my head. What it means is I have a carnal nature and a spiritual nature. And I choose which one that I give dominance to. There's two sides to me, just like there were two sides with Jacob and Esau. Um, let's talk about Esau for a second. Let's talk about the flesh. Esau is the flesh. It's that which is born of the flesh. Esau's strong, and your flesh will be strong. Your flesh wants the things of this world. Your flesh will sell out. One of the most famous images we have in the Bible is where Esau is coming into the camp. He has been hunting, and he's been hunting for several days. He has not eaten. He's, he feels like he's starving to death. And Jacob has, has cooked a bowl, or a pot rather, of soup. He had pottage. That's what the old King James called it. He had pottage. And he's cooked it, and it smells great. Now, now I don't know if you've ever smelled good cooking when you're hungry, but I have. It's almost like as good as it smells, it smells better. You feel like you're going to lose your mind. You feel like you're going to die. You just float off the ground and you just waft through the air to the kitchen where the goodness awaits. This is where Esau was. He hasn't eaten. And, and he's starving, so he says, Jacob, give me something to eat. And Jacob, crafty one that he is, his name, Jacob, actually means supplanter. It means one who takes the place of another. And it's, it's not a good name, it's a negative name. And there's a lot of theology bound up in that name, Jacob. Maybe we'll get to that. But he's got this bowl of soup and Esau wants it. I'm gonna tell you this at the outset, that the flesh will always sell out the eternal for the temporary. That's the bowl of soup. It's temporary satisfaction. It's momentary pleasure. And it happens all the time. People sell out marriages for one foolish moment. People sell out loved ones for, for foolish things. They sell out eternal principles for very temporary base principles, carnal principles. So the bowl of soup can be anything. It can be money. It can be sexuality. 
It can be fame. It can be materialism. It can be this world that passes away. People sell out for temporary stuff all the time. And that temporary stuff smells good. It looks good. It tastes good. It sounds good. But in comparison to the things of God, it's nothing. It's not worth it. The eternal always trumps the spiritual, but Esau doesn't care because Esau cares more about what he can taste, feel, and touch than what is true in the Word of God. There's a lot of people that, that sold out something beautiful and priceless for something temporary, and after the heat of the moment passed, after the passion passed, they said, my God, what have I done? What did I do? And, and people look at them and say, you lost your mind. How could you give up? So many priceless things and priceless relationships. People lose children, they lose marriages, wives lose husbands, husbands lose wives. And more than that, they lose the things of God over something so foolish and so temporary. The flesh always sells out for the temporary. And so Esau says this to himself. He has this little interior dialogue going on and he says this. It's a pretty profound question. He says, what good does the birthright do me if I die? What good does it do me if I die? There's actually an answer to that. A lot. It does a lot of good. It, it does all the good. The birthright's everything. And, and, and the flesh will say that. Wow, man, you know, if, if I lose my physical life, what good does the things of God do me? <laughs> it's it's worth everything. The Spirit of God is where the natural life comes from. It's what it's derived from. Now contrast Esau's mindset to Daniel's. When Daniel had a chance to sell out, he said, throw me in the den of lions. I don't care. I'm going to choose the spirit over the flesh. Contrast it to, the Bible calls it Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. But we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sell out, give yourself to Babylon. And they said, we'd rather die in the furnace than to have the pleasure of sin and to live for this world. The Bible says that Moses chose the reproach of slavery over the treasures of Egypt because the pleasures of sin are for a season. And he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, I choose the longevity and the power of eternity over the temporary carnal nature of pleasure that can be found in Egypt because a slave in God's house is better than a king in Satan's. Esau says, the flesh says, what good's going to church gonna do me if I lose my life? What good is reading the Bible gonna do me if I don't have all the stuff that I, I feel like I want? I got to give up some stuff in this world to have God. Oh, I can't handle it. It's killing me. And the flesh sells out the eternal for the temporary. Jacob, on the other hand, the Bible says of him that he's a man of the tents. A man of the tents. That's a big phrase. And you need to let that phrase sink down into your mind because in that he's a man of the tents, he is... It is demonstrating that Jacob understands the temporary nature of this life. He's a stranger. He's a pilgrim. The Bible says he dwells in tents with Abraham and Isaac. 
In other words, this world's not my home. I'm just, I'm just passing through it. It's an old song that Pentecostals sing. This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door because I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We're pilgrims in this world. Moses puts the tabernacle in a tent. It's temporary, he's moving. And Abraham lives in a tent, it's nomadic. It is, it is a, a, a following of the spirit until you get to your final destination. And so in that he's a man of the tents, he realizes that everything down here is temporary. That car you're driving, it's temporary. That house you're living in, it's temporary. Even your marriage is temporary. It's till death do us part. And as great as it is on the earth, there is a place where you cannot pass in your relationship. There's only one thing that lasts forever, and that is what you do for God. And Jacob realizes that there is an impermanence. There's a temporary dynamic to this world. So he is a man of the tents. And when he sees Esau selling out the temporary, the eternal rather, for the temporary, Jacob says, if he don't want it, I do. I'm temporary in this life, but I know eternity when I see it. And he takes the birthright. He says, I will not give you this soup unless you give me your birthright. Esau says, what good will it do me? Take it. And just like that, the promises of God transferred to Esau, to Jacob. It transferred from the flesh to the spirit. It transferred from the first birth to the second birth. The flesh is strong. Esau was strong. He was a hunter. He was predatory. Jacob understands the temporary dynamics of this life. He's not as aggressive. He's not as strong as his brother is in a physical way, but he is much more powerful in a spiritual way. And God said, I love that about Jacob. I hate that about Esau. It doesn't mean that God's showing favoritism between two humans. What it's saying is God hates the spirit that says I am strong and I don't need God. I am strong and I don't need the things of God. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to worship the Lord. I have education, I have money, I have health, I have strength. Everything about Esau is anti-Christ. It's anti-God. And here's what you're gonna find out. The stronger you are, the harder it is to serve the Lord. The more you have, the more stuff you have, the more education you have, the more tempting it is to be self-reliant, reliant on yourself and say, I don't need anything that has to do with the Spirit. And God hates that. Jacob knows he's weak. Jacob knows that he's unable. Jacob knows that this is not a permanent life down here in this world. And so in his awareness of his finitude and his limitation, Jacob, trusts in the Lord. The man who trusts in God is stronger than the man who does not. God said, I love that. So, that's, that's how Jacob and Esau operate. That's how, that's how the Bible lays out this, this story for us, this biblical account. Now, let me apply it to my life because in my flesh, there's a side that is self-reliant. There's a side that says it doesn't need God. It's that side that was born 43 years ago. 
And there's another side that is born of the Spirit that knows it needs God. It knows it needs the things of God. It knows it needs to go to church. It knows that it needs to lift its hand in worship, hands to, in worship to the one true living God. It's the side that was born again. It's the second birth. It's, it's Jacob. It's the spirit that, that lives inside of me. And my old man has to serve my new man. The, the elder has to serve the younger. Esau has to serve Jacob in my life. My flesh has to serve my spirit. You see how that works? Let's, let's, let's show how this plays out. Inside of Rebecca's womb, these two boys fought. The Bible says they fought so much that she said, how can this be a blessing? I asked for a blessing and I feel like I've got a full court basketball game going on inside of my womb. <laughs> these kids are fighting. They're, they're, they're going bonkers inside of me. So what, what's happening? And the answer came back. There are two nations at war inside of you and the elder shall serve the younger. And you'll find out that there's a war that goes on inside of you. You'll find out that there's a tug of war that goes on inside of you as your flesh tries to establish dominance. You know what's right, but you just don't seem to have the strength to do it. Let's read a little bit about that. You'll see it in Romans chapter 7. Now this is two chapters before 9 that we just read. Now this verse sounds so convoluted when you read it without this context, but once you know that there is a carnal man fighting against a spiritual man, everything becomes clear. Romans chapter 7, this is what it says. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in Esau, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That's why God hated it. For how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now. If I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Sin's living inside of me, and it's making me do all kind of bad stuff. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. See, the inward man, that's Jacob, that's the spirit. But the outer man, that's Esau, that's the flesh. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let me translate all that for you. There's a bad side of me that wants to do wrong. And there's a good side of me that wants to do right. Sunday morning, that alarm clock goes off. You hear it go off. And Esau says, hit the snooze button. You'll be fine. And you hit it, and you hit it, and you hit it until it's too late. You can't go to church. Esau says, fine, you go next week. No big deal. 
you probably heard, but the preacher's going to preach anyway. And Esau's strong. And if you let Esau take dominance in your life, if you let the flesh govern your actions, you will lose out with God. God hates that spirit. But if you're in the spirit, there is a Jacob that says, get your carcass out of that bed. Get in the shower, get cleaned up, get the kids dressed, we're going to the house of God. And all the while, Esau's digging his heels in. He's trying to stop you. Stay home, just relax, mow the grass, wash the car, anything but church. And Jacob is saying, you don't control me. You've messed up my life. We're going to church and we're gonna have a move of God because I love the things of God. So there's that war, there's that war. When it's time to have entertainment versus read the Bible, Esau says, I don't want to read the Bible. I don't like the Bible. The Bible's boring. Jacob says, oh, no, no. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God shall man live. The flesh doesn't want it. The spirit does. And that war right there is the one that so many people fight. And I know you do. I do as well. Every man, every woman does. You'll fight to do good. And if you walk in your flesh, you will not. You will not, you cannot. The flesh is against God. The Bible says they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But if you'll walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You'll crucify the old man. You'll overcome Esau and your spirit will live. Jacob have I loved, the spirit man, the inward man, I love. But Esau, the flesh, the carnal man, the old man, the wicked man. One place in the Bible called him a fornicator and a profane person. I hate that. I hate everything that it's of. I hate the predatory nature. I hate the hunter. It's the predatory that abuses children. It's the predatory that betrays marriage covenants. It's the predatory that chooses appetite over the eternal, and God hates it. Okay, so that's Jacob and Esau. That's the elder, that's the younger, that's me, that's you. It's me when I'm born of my flesh. It's me when I'm born of my spirit, and my spirit has to gain dominance. Uh, real quickly, let me just tell you how it gains dominance. First of all, you gotta be born again. And once you are, you gotta feed your spiritual man. So that's why we fast. That's why we pray. That's why we read the Bible. When you pray and read your Bible, you are eating the bread of life. You are drinking of the Holy Ghost. You're feeding your spiritual person. And when you fast, you are eliminating natural food. It's another way of saying you're starving Esau. Now, we don't starve ourselves to become spiritual because if you fast, if you don't eat and you don't read the Bible, all you're doing is starving. But if you will forego food and go without, the appetites of your flesh scream, they cry out, please feed me, feed me. And you say, not right now. I'm going to feed myself with something else, something in my spirit. There's something greater than food. There's something greater than natural sustenance, and that's the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so we fast and we give ourselves to prayer, we give ourselves to reading the word of God, and we kill Esau.
Remember this, the same power that overcomes eating is the same power that overcomes fornication. Appetite will not control me. Appetite, appetite will not dominate me. I will control my flesh and the elder shall serve the younger. Okay, now that's, that's flesh, that's spirit. Now, let's, I'm, I'm wrapping up this study, but I, this, this is, I said all of that to get to this point. This is one of the most profound things, and you gotta get this, you've got to get this. Remember, everything in the Old Testament is bringing us to Jesus Christ. The law is bringing us to Christ. It's bringing us to the seed that will bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent will bruise his heel. So back away from the story of Jacob and Esau. Back away, back away from the forest, because sometimes you're so close you can't see the forest for the trees. You can get so lost in the story that you think it's just a story of two, two twin brothers. But back away, back away from that. And you'll see that there's a broader panorama. There's a much larger view. The elder shall serve the younger in Jacob and Esau, but you'll see that the elder also shall serve the younger in Ishmael and Isaac you'll find out that it's a pattern. It's a theme. You'll find out that Cain and Abel, the elder, has to serve the younger. Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph brings his two boys to Israel to be blessed. And he, the Bible says that he guides the older brother, Manasseh, to Israel's right hand, but as he does, the Bible says that Israel crosses his hands and blesses the two boys, and it angers Joseph. No, don't, no, you, you've got it wrong, Dad. You've put your left hand on the older son. That's not right. And Israel has to say, I know, I know what I'm doing. He'll be great, but his younger brother will be greater. And Ephraim will gain dominance rather than Manasseh. Reuben has to serve Joseph because the elder shall serve the younger. And over and over and over again, this theme is played out. And what it's telling you is that the flesh has to serve the spirit. And what we're really saying, guys, is Adam has to serve Jesus. That's what we're really getting to. We're getting to the sons of God. One is a son of God by creation. One is the only begotten son of God. One is an elder chronologically. One is younger chronologically. Adam is the older. Jesus is the younger. Adam sells out for fruit. Esau sells out for soup, but it's the same thing. It's temporary satisfaction. Adam sells out the same way Esau sells out. And just like Jacob comes to take up the birthright. Jesus comes, the younger brother comes, and says, you may not value it, Adam, but I value it. I'll pick up what you dropped. I will succeed where you failed. The heritage will not come through you, Adam. The heritage will come through Jesus Christ, and the elder shall serve the younger. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost coming on me while I'm talking. Here's where that practically becomes an explosive revelatory dynamic. Because if you can understand the elder serving the younger, 
If you can understand that Adam and Esau are the flesh and Jacob and Jesus are born of the spirit and of the promise, then when Jacob comes to Israel to get the birthright, the Bible says that he put on Esau's clothes. If you can see Jacob putting on Esau's garments, then you should be able to see Jesus putting on Adam's clothes. Jesus puts on flesh. My, Jesus puts on the garments of the older brother to go to the father, to get the birthright. <laughs> Jesus puts on flesh just like Jacob put on Esau's clothing. And, and he, he looks like Esau. He looks like Adam. He, he smells like Adam. The Bible says that Israel smelled him and he smelled of the field. He feels like Adam. He said, come close. And he felt the hair on the, the goat skin on the back of his neck. He felt the goat skin that was on his arms. He's hairy like Esau. He feels like Esau. But he doesn't sound like Esau. He says the hands are the hands of Jacob, of Esau rather. But the voice is the voice of Jacob. Jesus looked like Adam. He smelled like Adam. He felt like Adam, but he talked like a son of God. He spoke differently. He had a different message. Jacob couldn't disguise the voice that came out of him, and Jesus couldn't disguise the voice of heaven that came out of him. When Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, Satan tries to tempt him just like he tempted Esau, just like he tempted Adam, just like he tempted all so many others. But when the answer came out of Jesus, he didn't talk like all the others. <laughs> He spoke through the word of God and he overcame Satan by the word of God. Jesus has a different voice than Adam does, just like Jacob had a different voice than Esau. This is pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to the incarnation. And Jacob putting on Esau's clothing is Jesus coming in the flesh. And he comes to the Father and he obtains the inheritance that Adam forsook and gave up for a piece of fruit. That's what it means by the elder shall serve the younger. That's what it means, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. It means I've rejected the lineage of Adam and I love the lineage of Jesus. Thank you for your time. I hope you're blessed today. I hope you take it with you. Thank you.